Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hey there, podcast friends. As some of you might have already guessed, this isn't one of the quote-unquote normal episodes. In fact, I'm going to borrow a term which I first came across on the very, very good Invisible Office Hours podcast, where they call their little extra episodes bonus odes. So this bonus ode is a rerun of a talk I gave at the ASI Open Phone Conference in Wiesbaden late 2017. I was invited by friend of the show, Fred Mendonca, to come and talk about some of the key open phone related takeaways that had cropped up on the podcast so far. So that's what I did. I recorded it at the time, but the audio was poor. So I re-recorded it and here we are. If you're on YouTube, you'll have the benefit of the slides that went with the talk. If not, and you're in your favourite podcast app, then rest assured that the slides were minimal and you're not missing that much. So here goes, a quick overview of some of the podcast's best open phone related episodes and what I reckon the key takeaways were. So kick back, relax, pretend you were in Wiesbaden in mid-October, the weather was pretty nice if that helps your visualisation, and enjoy this little bonus ode. Don't worry, I'm going to try and make this the easiest post-lunch talk ever. At first glance, this talk stands out, and possibly not in a good way. It doesn't fit. It looks different to the other talks we've seen today. There's not an equation in sight, no graphs, and I wish I had the fire animations from this morning's keynote. On the surface, this might not even seem to be a talk about open phone technology. It looks more like a talk about a podcast. A CFD podcast, but nevertheless a podcast. To be specific, it's my podcast for CFD types with an interest in the business of CFD and how CFD companies tick. Like this talk, the podcast is intentionally non-technical. We don't dig into the nitty-gritty of solver schemes or turbulence modelling. In fact, the strapline is that it's a show that's more about growing a business than growing a boundary layer. So what am I doing in an open phone technology session? Well, this really is a talk about open phone technology. It's a talk about open phone as an enabling technology, one that enables innovation in business, R&D, and even in education. But before I get too far into that, I want to ask you all a question. Who in the room sees themselves as a developer or a coder or a programmer? Let's have a show of hands. Who sees themselves as a developer? Ignore your job title for now, if you like. Okay, that's a few more than I'd expected. But not surprising, given the session. Now, I'm not a developer of any description, but I'll let you in on a little secret. I've always had developer envy. The ability to take an idea and turn it into a thing with just a keyboard and a text editor, that fascinates me. That's close to magic. It's like musicians or artists or writers. Someone who can take something from what appears to the layman, i.e. me, to be almost nothing, has a talent verging on a superpower as far as I'm concerned. But even if you can't code and you don't have developer superpowers, I want to try and convince you that your knowledge and experience of open foam could actually be your superpower. Now, maybe you think of this guy when I say superpower and you're wondering where you can get a cape with a big blue nabla on it. That's cool if that's your thing, but I'm thinking more along the lines of your special skill set when I say superpower. It's a superpower that can be used to create all sorts of innovations, both within our industry and in places that have never even heard of CFD, let alone open foam. 
I'm going to introduce you to a handful of people from the podcast who've all used their own open foam superpowers to create or grow or manage very different, very innovative CFD businesses, all enabled by open foam technology. Hopefully, I'll illustrate some of the innovation that comes when people take their open foam superpower, mix it with some other domain expertise, and create something completely new. Now, you might find a spark of inspiration in here, or you might think, I could do that. Or perhaps you might think, oh, they're doing that all wrong. Let me show you how to do it properly. Still, it should be a bit of food for thought for what you can do with your own open foam superpower. Now, have any of you heard or maybe even read this book? Apparently, it's somewhere between The Diary of Anne Frank and Gone with the Wind on some of the all-time most read lists. It's got a nice, trendy, self-helpy type title, Think and Grow Rich, a contemporary-looking cover, but it was actually published in 1937, just after the Great Depression in America, around the same time as Gone with the Wind, in fact. The author spent more than 20-plus years rubbing shoulders with some of the most successful founders and pioneers of all time, and this is what he thinks they had in common, and why they succeeded. It's on so many must-read lists that I thought I must read it. That and it was only 99 cents on Kindle. The one in the picture is a first edition and is yours for just $9,500. I think I'll stick with my Kindle version for now. I'm not sure I can wholeheartedly recommend it. There's some pretty oddball stuff in there, so it probably gets four stars from me. But one of the more enduring ideas to come out of the book is that of the mastermind. The essence of the idea is that in order to get better at something... You should surround yourself with a group of like-minded, successful people who know more than you about whatever it is you're trying to excel at. Then you can tap into their collective advice and experience and up your game. This is a picture of one of the mastermind groups the author was observing. From the left, we've got the 31st President of the United States, Herbert Hoover, just before he was elected, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison and Harvey Firestone part of a collective known as the Vagabonds. Now, this is them on one of their summer camping trips. Henry Ford had provided kind of 50 trucks which they loaded up with everything you could need for a decadent camping trip and disappear off into the wilds to talk business and whatever else was on their collective mastermind. They all attributed a good degree of their respective successes to this collective problem-solving. Now, when I started my little CFD company, one man and his laptop in Swindon, I wasn't exactly surrounded by successful CFD business owners that I could corral into a mastermind, let alone go on a camping trip with. So I needed to get a bit creative if I wanted some help. And I did want some help. I know a little bit about CFD, but next to nothing about running a business. So how could I learn from the best? My solution was to approach the kind of CFD people I look up to, and talk to them about what they've learned while running their CFD companies. Those interviews became the podcast, and 20 plus interviews later, I'm still fascinated by how different CFD businesses and the people behind them tick. When I was preparing the last season of interviews, I mentioned to a friend that the roster of interviews was looking a bit open foam heavy. I didn't want to alienate the probably larger part of the audience that don't use open foam. He came back instantly. Well, what else would you want to base a CFD business on? Fair point, I guess. So let's hear about five of those CFD people and their businesses and highlight how they've used their respective open foam superpowers to do something innovative. I'm going to start by introducing you to Franjo Juratic of Creative Fields, in case you haven't met him already. Let me first tell you a little bit of a story. 
Back in the good old days, in my very first CFD job, I worked in a reasonable sized CFD group in a Formula One team. As a junior, it's pretty common to inherit a mesh from a colleague, either to finish building the model, or what was more likely, they'd got themselves in a pickle, pasting red edges and releasing hot points in answer, and things weren't meshing anymore. But even if the mesh was tidy, the chances were pretty good that I'd want to change something. Perhaps that's just me, but I couldn't, and I still can't, resist tweaking it just a little bit to make it my mesh. And that's without even mentioning the meshes responsible for my lack of hair. But as we've established, I'm not a developer. So I never thought, you know what, I'm going to write my own measure and sort this out once and for all. When I spoke to Franjo, it turned out that that was more or less what he was thinking. The difference being, he had the superpower to do something about it. Franjo was coming off the back of his PhD and couldn't find anything that could create the meshes he needed for his work on error estimation. So he built his own. Now that's not super uncommon in PhD land. You're encouraged to write your own codes. Some of them even work. Some of them turn into huge open source projects with conferences in nice hotels. Franjo's initial effort turned into a very capable meshing library, CF Mesh, which he subsequently released as an open source project. He told me that at the beginning he thought it would be two or three months tops to get everything built out. 13 years later, he's still on the same mission. And he still sees plenty of challenges ahead. He went as far as to say that he thought the problem of creating meshes for CFD will probably never be solved. Hardware and software is moving so fast that meshing has to change pretty quickly just to keep pace. My phone has got more RAM than my PhD workstation had. But as my son likes to remind me, I am very old. It turns out the pace of change is one of the key reasons Franjo still loves the challenge. So although they've diversified a little, he's pretty sure that meshing will always be their main focus. Franjo, along with Irina and Marco, have taken that open source mesher and built a great little business around it. They've evolved as they go along, but stuck close to their core meshing superpowers. In fact, he's in the session over the way right now, presenting some of the Lowe's latest developments. That's one of the things I like about Franjo and Creative Fields. They do one core thing, and they try to do it better than everyone else. It feels like a solid approach. I've noticed CF Mesh is finding its way into some of the main open foam releases, so something's definitely working. The idea of doing one thing and doing it better than everyone else brings me to my next founder, Karim Farsis and Zephy Cloud, and how they're making an impact in the wind power industry. A number of years ago, in a different CFD life, I was involved in a project for a wind turbine manufacturer. It was one of those, show us what you can do, and there might be a big contract in it for you projects. You've probably had one of those. We were coming from an F1 background, and we went in all excited to tell them about how we could optimise their blade shapes using our shape deformation tools and our slick optimization process and give them a new blade shape that had increased the output of their turbines, at least a little bit. I remember the look on the guy's face as he waited for us to finish the pitch, and then he said, You obviously don't know, but the mould for one of our big blades costs us a quarter of a million pounds. You aren't changing the shape of our blades. That was my introduction to the wind industry, and that they, like a lot of industries outside Formula One, aren't all that interested in the last few percentage points of performance. So I was intrigued when I spoke to Karim how his businesses were making money from CFD in the wind industry. Karim's a really interesting guy. He's an MIT awarded innovator, co-founder of three different CFD-based businesses, not to mention cycling from his business base in Beijing to his home in the south of France, as you do. All of his businesses are focused on the wind power market, and it's a market he knows inside out. 
it quickly became apparent in our chat that they weren't doing the obvious R&D work for turbine manufacturers that we'd pitched for all those years ago. They'd moved their business much closer to the money. They were working for banks and underwriters who were about to finance the development of a wind farm or loan a farmer the money to put up turbines on his land. They'd take topographical data for the proposed site, along with historical weather data and some wind speed measurements, and combine it with tools based in open foam to do a virtual assessment of whether this was a good place to site a wind turbine or 10. In hindsight, it's pretty obvious that the people about to write a very large cheque to finance the building of a wind farm would be inclined to write a much smaller, but still relatively sizable cheque to find out whether they were about to waste their money. Zephy Cloud is their toolkit to do this work. It's based on open foam, it runs in the cloud and it's accessed through your browser. As far as I know, the actual CFD element isn't anything super complex. You clever folks could probably get pretty close right now with a recent open foam release. But their innovation was to combine their open foam knowledge with their experience of the wind power market to create a process and a set of tools that does one job, and only one job, better than all the alternatives. Can you see a theme developing? It doesn't hurt that that one job can save someone some big money too. Most of their work to date has been in China, which makes sense. It's where most of the recently installed wind turbine capacity is. But they've just been awarded one and a half million euros to help bring those innovations home to Europe and benefit the European wind power market. It's a CFD superpower based on open foam. Now, whilst Zephy Cloud is laser focused on the wind power industry, There are several other cloud CFD providers that have sprung up in recent years. One of the biggest of those is probably SimScale. Sometimes when I get to speak to a founder, it's pretty hard to get them to talk about anything other than their product. It's difficult to stop the discussion turning into a sales pitch and I don't always succeed. But I had the exact opposite problem when I spoke to David Heine. He even said in the pre-interview that he didn't want to talk about SimScale, the product. He was more interested in discussing their vision which revolved around making simulation a standard part of the technical design process and doing that with a cloud or software-as-a-service model. Now, I'm pretty sure you all know of SimScale. You might even have tried it out. It's probably one of the highest-profile CFD startups in recent years. Multiple funding rounds with big-name venture capitalists and a recent announcement that it had passed 100,000 users. As I'm sure you know, the CFD side is based on open foam. If you haven't checked it out, it's a pretty impressive technical achievement. I'd initially thought that that's what we'd be talking about, the technical challenges of delivering CFD through the browser. But as I mentioned, that wasn't the challenge that was exercising David. For him, their main challenge was whether they could reduce the barriers to entry for CFD and FEA to the point where companies who, for whatever reason, don't use CFD could adopt it into their technical design process. I think one thing that many developers underestimate, particularly developers of new codes, is just how difficult it is to get people to switch away from their current solution. There's an interesting piece of research on this that talks about what they term the 9x effect. It's basically that your new product needs to be nine times better than my current solution before I'll even consider switching. Thanks to a whole host of psychological biases, I overvalue what I currently have and you overvalue what you've created. The result is, you can't understand why I won't switch, and I can't understand why you think I would. We could probably illustrate it right now by asking how many of us are on the latest open phone release, but that might backfire, so I'm I'm not even going to go there. 
As if building something cool in CFD isn't hard enough, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth when it turns out that it's even harder to get people to switch to it. One of the ways round this is to pitch a solution to people who don't currently use CFD. This, it seemed, was SimScale's approach. Market to people who don't currently have a CFD process. This way they can emphasise all the new things that the customer could do if only they had a CFD superpower on their side. But making a new market like this is a long and seemingly expensive process, and I'm pretty sure they'll figure it out. They're an impressive outfit, and it seems like the venture capitalists have noticed this too. We talked a little bit about the state of venture capital for CFD startups, not something I've had insight into before. Whilst it's hard to extrapolate from a single company to an industry, it's the first time I've seen a major US VC firm, the same people that invested in Twitter, Kickstarter, Stack Overflow, etc., investing in what is, at least partly, a CFD company. Venture capital is all about placing a large number of relatively small bets in the hope of a big exit on one or two of them. A single investment isn't a guarantee in any way that you're on your way to a billion dollar business. But when I asked David why he thought that they'd attracted major VC interest, David told me that he thought that VCs have recognised that the CFD space hasn't been disrupted yet. Although there are a number of big players, there was room for someone to come in and shake it up or get bought by one of the aforementioned big players, which seems to be the way of things at the moment. All in all, I'm pretty impressed with David and the SimScale team. I'm not a user. It's not nine times better than my current solution. But it'd be really interesting to see how it pans out. Their user growth is certainly impressive. Building businesses on this scale isn't something that I'm doing. But it's interesting that CFD is still wide open for that kind of innovation. So let's change scale to a smaller, but no less interesting business. We've already come across a developer today who couldn't find what he needed in the marketplace, so he went and built it. That was Franjo. It's not uncommon, particularly in software development, to find developers scratching their own itch. They didn't set out to build something to fill a particular gap in the market. They needed something that they couldn't find elsewhere and had the skills to build something that fit the bill. Most times these remain in-house tools, but sometimes they become the core of a business. That's the situation Darren Stevens found himself in with his CFD company Applied CCM, which in turn led to the start of an open phone fork called Kalis. Darren's based in Australia and he spent many years doing open phone support, training and custom development for businesses using open phone in Australia. But none of the open phone variants at that time offered him what he needed or what his customers were asking him for. One particular pain point for him at that time was the lack of a development roadmap. He was building custom features for clients, but he couldn't be sure that changes down the road wouldn't stop them from working. That created a huge support headache, which was pretty difficult to manage. So Darren used his open phone superpowers to tailor the code base to his own needs and to take it in the direction that he and his customers thought it should go. Since those days, Darren's been joined by Chris Sideroff, who's based in Canada, and together they maintain Kalis, a code which they describe as derived from open foam, intentionally avoiding the, using the word fork. In the early days, they were modelling themselves on Red Hat Linux. They provided what they considered to be an industrially hardened version of open foam. They focus heavily on robustness and validation and appeal to people who shared that approach. I think it would be fair to say that forking open foam can be a pretty sticky subject. When I asked, Chris and Darren both admitted that forks probably detract from the open foam community as a whole, duplication of effort being just one aspect of that. 
But that's one of the great things about open source software. It allows those people who have an opinion about how something should be or how it should work to actually do something about it. Kalis allows them to do more consulting and more development work and be more confident about the level of support they can provide. They make it available, so if you like that approach, then you can use it too. If you don't, then don't. Kalis was the thing they wanted to promote on the show, but it's not really where they make their money. Their revenue comes from consulting, custom development, training around open foam and commercial software sales. Now, with the exception of the commercial software bit, it sounds to me like the business model used by almost all open source projects, including most of the open foam maintainers. But the biggest insight for me of the interview with respect to open foam came near the end when we were discussing other open source CFD projects and their communities, in particular SU2. Just in case you've never heard of it, SU2 is an open source CFD code coming out of Stanford University, hence the SU, with a heavy leaning towards aerospace and optimization, particularly using a joint method. You can check it out on GitHub. It even has a banner in the corner of the website suggesting that you fork it. Fancy that. Now, Kalis predates SU2 by a long way, but Darren admitted that if they were starting over, then they probably wouldn't base things on open foam. He didn't know whether they'd definitely use SU2, but he did say that SU2 probably wouldn't have produced a Kalis. Now, I'm not sure what that says in particular about the state of the open foam community, or whether it just reflects a particular developer's perspective, but either way, I think it's a pretty interesting observation. Talk of the open foam community brings me on to our very own Fred Mendonca, the man responsible for me being at this conference in the first place. Now, just like when I spoke to David Heine about SimScale, Fred wasn't going to be drawn into a discussion about OpenFoam or OpenFoam Plus releases or features. He was much more interested in talking about open source and the community. To begin with, Fred pointed out that they face the same challenges as everyone else when it comes to making money in an open source space. Having a huge parent company doesn't make things any different. There isn't a blank check to cover all things OpenFoamy. Now, As I just mentioned, all of the businesses with open source products look pretty similar from a business model point of view. The main revenue often comes from custom development, support and training. And I thought that might be what occupied most of Fred's spare cycles, working out how to do more revenue generating activity so that OpenCFD can continue to release new versions of OpenFoam. But it came as a bit of a surprise that it was community building that was taking up the bulk of his efforts, certainly most of his thoughts. In hindsight, that should probably have been obvious. Developing any sort of cohesive community at scale isn't something that many of us have done before. It's definitely not the same as being middle management or being a team leader. I'm not sure where we go to even learn that stuff. Do they even publish community building for dummies? It makes sense that Fred saw this as his main challenge. As I've said many times before, the CFD is the easy bit. It seems to me that most of us would have enough trouble keeping our business heads above water and cranking out releases without the additional headache of community building. I certainly know I couldn't manage it. But what I found interesting was that Fred saw this as one of his most important challenges. And in his view, the key to it was opening up new channels to allow those with open foam superpowers to contribute back, whether that be with code, with money, testing, or even with domain expertise. It remains one of the most popular episodes that I've released. Fred maintains that this is entirely due to his family clicking on it and bumping the stats. But I think it might be more down to the fact that the CFD community are genuinely interested in what guys in Fred's position have to say about their vision for open foam. Now, things got a bit weird at the end of the interview. We talked in advance about what we wanted to cover, 
and then Fred went decidedly off-piste, or so I thought. When I asked about the future of OpenCFD, Fred responded with a little anecdote that stuck with me. Fred whisked us back to ancient Greece, back to Plato's symposium, to a disparate gathering of some of the most educated, eloquent and talented individuals around at the time. As you can see in the slide, they were relaxing, enjoying the music of the flute girls and a, looks like a picture or two of wine. They were deep in debate and discussion over a particular matter, taking it in turns to have their say on the matter at hand. It was almost time for one of them to have his turn to speak, but he had a bad case of the hiccups, and so he was going to have to miss his turn. Up stepped one of the gathering, the Dr. Iraximachus, who cured the bout of hiccups by tickling the guy's nose with a feather to make him sneeze. He even swapped turns with him to allow him to get his composure back. The moral of the story, as related by Fred, was that when a group of smart people gather together, they can collectively produce solutions to problems that it would be difficult, if not impossible, for them to solve alone. And that's how Fred sees the potential of the open phone community. To me, it sounds pretty similar to the mastermind concept we touched on earlier. So how might you use your open phone superpower that I reckon you've got, but you might not recognise? It doesn't have to be starting a business or developing some whiz-bang new feature. We can't all do those things. But is there a way for you to contribute to the collective open phone mastermind? Perhaps it's via the traditional channels with code or money. Maybe it's by evangelising open foam in your own network and helping your peers along their open foam journey. The talks so far have clearly demonstrated that open foam today is a pretty advanced technology. And as Arthur C. Clarke put it, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. If you don't think you've got a superpower, let me assure you that there are people both inside and outside this room who'd consider what you can do with open foam to be pretty magic. And if you can do that on your own, just think what a collective open phone mastermind could achieve. Perhaps we could all go on a camping trip next time. I hope you found this talk at least mildly diverting. The podcast guests are much better at telling their own stories. So if you want to find out more, there are 20 interviews to go out over at talkingcfd.com. We even have a little chatbot on Messenger that can get you all set up to listen in just a few clicks. Fingers crossed there'll be another season out in the new year and you'll be able to hear a whole host of new interviews that cover even more than just the open foam ecosystem. So keep an eye out for those. And thank you for listening. 